Chapter 22 Down a narrow chute we went. Three steers moved ahead. Then me. Tobias was behind me. Over the mouth of the chute was an arch. The Gleet biofilter. The first steer reached it. I saw a flash of light, followed by a faint sizzling sound. I could not see them from this angle, but I was sure a number of fleas, flies, lice, and assorted other small creatures had been killed. Get as far into our nostrils as you can, I instructed my friends in Fly Morph. I'm in so far I can see your brain, Marco said. That is highly unlikely. I reached the biofilter. I felt a strange tingle, like static electricity. Then I was through. Marco? Cassie? We're fine, Cassie said. But it's good to get deep. I saw a real fly get zapped for being too close to the outside. We're still here, enjoying our little field trip in Cow Nose Caverns. Marco reported. Okay, everyone get ready, Prince Jake said. This isn't going to be pretty if we're slow. A moment later, Rachel reported, We're through. Hit it, Jake said. I felt a tickle as Marco and Cassie exited from my nostrils. Four nearly invisible flies disappeared quickly from view, leaving Tobias and me alone. Very, very alone. So, Tobias said, Seen anything good on TV lately? Are you attempting to distract us from our fear by engaging in irrelevant conversation? Yeah. In that case, I did enjoy watching The Simpsons. I assume that they do not represent some variant species of humans, but are in fact Humorous pictorial exaggerations of humans? Yeah, they're cartoons. Cartoons, yes. They seem to be related to humans, but lack a sufficient number of fingers. Oh, God! What? Look! Look! I looked up. I could not see directly in front of me because other cattle were blocking my view. But as the chute turned a corner, I saw a horrific vision. Dozens of cows hanging by their rear legs. They seemed almost to be flying. Flying as they were carried along by an overhead conveyor belt. Flying and no longer alive. It was a bewildering scene. A confusing assembly line full of separate events and actions. Cows are not highly intelligent animals. An intelligent animal, smelling the blood, catching this brief glimpse of the future, would have bolted, kicked, fought. But no, maybe that is not true either. Maybe an intelligent animal would understand that it was doomed and attempt to face the inevitable calmly. In any event, neither Tobias nor I were cows, and neither of us was intellectually impaired. Forget this! Tobias said. We must wait for the others to return, I managed to say. One noise was louder than the others, and getting nearer all the time. It was straight ahead. 
I craned my neck. I was taller than the steer ahead of me. I looked past him, and at first did not understand what I was seeing. The lead steer came up to a place where pneumatic forces pushed the sides of the chute in, locking the animal in place. A man, acting with practiced ease, whipped shackles around the back legs. A second man held a large tool against the head of the steer. The tool had a cylinder on top. He squeezed a trigger. Bang! The tool jerked. The steer fell. In its forehead was a hole. Instantly, it was jerked into the air by its legs. I counted two more steer between me and the killing gun. I have faced death in battle, but never as a dumb beast going to slaughter. I have changed my mind, I said. Let's get out of here. Chapter 23 I began to demorph. No time! Bang! Another steer died. I refused to move forward. What do they expect, sending bulls? A man grumbled. He stepped over to me. He was carrying a tube with two small prongs on the end. He jammed the tube a... Ah! The pain was incredible. I moved forward without intending to. Closer. I had stopped demorphing. Morph! I screamed at myself. Bang! The last steer ahead of me died. I resisted again. No! No, no! I dug in my hooves. But now I was demorphing, and from the big bull hooves, my own more delicate hooves were emerging. I could barely support my own weight. The man with the shekels would see that. But it would be too late. The man with the stick rammed it twice. Once in my rump, then low, under my belly. The pain! Axe! Tobias cried. I staggered, but I staggered forward. My head was clearing slowly. Whoosh! The sides of the chute pressed in, holding me tight, immobile. Morph, morph, morph! Axe! Tobias cried. Axe! Axe! My eyes watered. My head was swimming. I was confused, lost, dazed. I looked to my right. The tool was coming for me, coming straight toward me. I could see the man's finger on the trigger. Then, a new form. Large, brown, looming up behind the man. Hey, buddy, take the rest of the day off, Rachel said. She swung one massive grizzly bear paw. The man with the killing tool dropped like one of the steer. Cutting it kind of close, aren't you? Tobias demanded angrily. Sorry, Rachel said. I realized I was shaking, trembling. Other humans were running now. Many running away. Some running toward us, toward the bear. I could not stop trembling, 
could not stop the shaking. I was demorphing and shaking. But even so, I noted the humans who were heading toward the bear, not away. Controllers, of course. Normal humans would seek to escape. The controllers among them knew the significance of the bear. They knew, or thought they knew, that it was an Andalite in Morph. Dozens left their stations, grabbed long knives, grabbed powered saws, and came for us. So much for anything subtle, Rachel said. It's going to get hairy. She grabbed the side of the chute with her two front paws and pulled. The wood ripped away easily. I pushed through and out and away. And just then, my own stock eyes began to function, and I could look back and see my own tail. My own fast, deadly, accurate tail. I was a grazing animal, like the ones who were fed to this killing place. But I was not a cow. Watch out! That guy has a chainsaw! Tobias yelled. A human controller rushed at me with a long, powered saw. The saw screamed. Thwap! Now the human controller screamed. He no longer has a chainsaw, I said. Chapter 24 Come on, follow me, Rachel said. The others are in trouble. I just came to get you guys. Well, there was no need to rush, Tobias said. You could have waited, oh, about another millisecond. Hey, I said I was sorry. Which way? Tobias demanded. Far corner, over there, Rachel said. Go, X and I will catch up. Tobias was Hawk once more. He flapped and took off, swerving and dodging through skinned, gutted carcasses. Rachel and I took the slower route, through the human controllers and their knives. We try never to kill any controller, and humans in particular, since my human friends have a certain sentimental fondness for others of their own species. So we were careful. We were restrained. I applied my tail blade with restraint. But it was difficult. I had been badly frightened. As frightened as I have ever been. And, irrational as it might be, I resented the human controllers, who were even now attempting to butcher me. We forced our way through the human controllers. Forced our way as dripping carcasses floated above us on the conveyor. My hooves scrabbled over spilled entrails. What we found at the far end of the blood-soaked slaughtering floor was another battle. Prince Jake in Tigermorph. Cassie in Wolfmorph. Marco in Gorillamorph. Tobias, wheeling and plunging to rip and tear. They were surrounded, cut off, hemmed in by a growing army of human controllers. And worse. Hork-Bajir were pouring into the battle from two directions. Prince Jake's back was to a closed door. He was roaring and slashing and using his powerful jaws. But the situation was desperate. They were hemmed in, cornered, trapped. Rachel and I might be able to join them, but then we would be in the same trap. 
Jake, the door behind you! Rachel cried. Can't get it open. We need more muscle. Hurry! Rachel turned her huge, shaggy, grizzly bear head to me. Even as she swatted a human controller with a backhand that sent him flying. Well, Axe, all we have to do is go through about 50 orc bashir, bust down that door, and find a way out of this hellhole. Yes, I agreed. Let us begin. Rachel dropped to all fours. She let loose a hoarse roar and charged. No Andalite accustomed to our more pacific animal life could possibly understand what a grizzly bear charge means. Even most humans would fail to imagine it. Grizzly bears are not lithe and graceful like the big cats. They are more like dogs. They move with a rolling, lopsided gait that at first seems almost tentative, as if they might stop at any moment. But then you begin to realize how large they are, and you begin to realize that, awkward or not, they are very fast. And you begin to realize that you are punny, pathetic, weak, and insignificant. You begin to realize that this bear, this rolling, shaggy, unstoppable monster, can kill you from the mere impact of his shoulder hitting you. I saw all this on the faces of the human controllers before us. Saw their indifference become concern and turn to terror and panic, all in seconds as Rachel charged. <laughs> run! Many voices agreed. Stand fast! Don't run! One man cried. He planted himself before Rachel. He stood firm. For approximately one and one half seconds. Then he ran. As Rachel barreled past him, he swiped at her with a knife. The knife sliced at fur. He might as well have been swatting an Andalite dome ship with a tree branch. Rachel! hork Bajir! Two big hork Bajir leapt at her, their arm blades flashing. I whipped my tail left, right. One hork Bajir dropped. The other hesitated, just long enough for us to pass him. We plowed into the defensive knot of our friends. On behalf of General Custer, let me welcome you to the last stand, Marco said as he sank his gorilla fist into the midriff of a hork Bajir warrior. This the door? Rachel yelled. Yeah, can you bust it down? Rachel reared up on her hind legs. She had to duck her head as split cow carcasses came by, always holding to their stately pace. She put out her paws and slammed her weight against the door. Wham! Nothing. The door did not budge. And now, a triumphant roar went up from the surging, pressing mass of enemy warriors, human and hork bajir We were trapped. Outnumbered. Then, we heard the hated thought-speak voice we knew too well. How fitting! Visser Three exulted. The end of the Andalite bandits comes here, in a slaughterhouse. Take them. Seize them. Butcher them. Yes, butcher them.
Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs Auditory Experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. Uh, thank you for listening to another episode. Uh, summer has finally come to where I live in California. So, um, once, once again, uh, temperatures in my recording space are heating up, uh, and I have to turn off my fan to record these, so let's, let's keep it a little snappy, huh? I have, uh, some messages to read. First of all is a follow-up to our uh, Power Rangers discussion from last week from uh, Willis on Tumblr. That's audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. Uh, Willis writes in, uh, So with the Mighty Morphin Animorphs Rangers, I kind of agree with your Cassie opinions. I really picked Green because the newest Green Ranger is a woman, and she's the first female Green Ranger, so I think that's been in my head. Uh, valid point. I, again, kind of fell off around uh, Lost Galaxy-ish, and I haven't really checked out any of the new stuff. I heard um, Beast Morphers, or whatever that one that came out in like 2019, 2020-ish, uh, was pretty solid. Um, but uh, I, I just have not checked out any of the modern Power Rangers. I tried. <laughs> Sorry to get off on another tangent. I said I was going to be quick, and now here I am doing a tangent. But I tried watching... Um, RPM, because I heard RPM's like a really highly lauded uh, a series, and I just I couldn't get into it because of, and you refer- referenced this later, the Megazords being CGI, and also the Megazords having those weird giant eyes on them felt very um, tonally uh, disparate from, from what they decided the American version of the Sentai would be, and I don't know, the whole thing kind of weirded me out, I didn't really get past the first episode, unfortunately. Um, but there you go. So, uh, Cassie is a Green Ranger because the current Green Ranger is a female. That's cool. Uh, I actually did think of a horse or butterfly zord for Cassie. I do think the butterfly thing is very important to Cassie's whole arc. Not sure how well a butterfly would work as a zord, though. I always think of Power Rangers as suitmation, as a suitmation thing, even though it's mostly CGI nowadays. Uh, so if it's a CGI season, I think butterfly would work fine. Uh, if it's a suitmation season, I think for practicality, it might need to be a horse. That's a great point. We gotta think about logistics when we uh, pitch these kind of concepts. I had a whole thing about logistics when it came to how you'd adapt animorphs, right? That's why I think it should be animated, because I just don't think logistics works out for um, doing all the animals in CGI. Um, if I had a preference, I'd get suitmation, because I think it just looks better than the amount the budget of CGI Power Rangers can afford. Um, it just feels... I, you know, I'm a guy who thinks uh, if you can do it in practical uh, on camera, it's going to look better um, 99.9% of the time. If you can get away with doing it practically, you should. Um, and I really like I really like the, the vibe of the suitmation for the Zords. I think it's really cool. So th- that's a good point. Um, yeah. Though, like, hmm. It's tricky, right? I think you could do some sort of, like, combination suit miniature thing to make a butterfly zord um because you know the zords themselves don't often do a lot right it's usually they show up and then they combine to the megazord and the megazord fights so if the zord itself is a little delicate and finicky um from a production standpoint i think we could get away with it we just have it like you know flap its wings and shoot beams or whatever you know it will be ranged like the uh the the pterodactyl zord from the original mighty morphin right was not um, an especially practical Zord either. It just sort of also flew around and shot missiles. Um, and then when it combines, we can, of course, uh, sort of, again, I'm, I'm imagining like the pterodactyl. Um, we just sort of, you know, we just sort of stick it in there. 
<laughs> I think that could work. Um, but again, I'm not mad at a horse either. I think a horse is pretty different, pretty fun, pretty interesting. We haven't had a horse sword, I don't think. Um, and it could be cool. Uh, then, uh, uh, Willis continues, and for Marco, I wasn't really thinking of the King Kong Zord as a special Zord, more that it wouldn't be a knuckle walker, and it would be upright. Interesting. Um, I'm, I don't, I don't have a strong feeling about that, either way, I think that's fine. Um, I guess, does King Kong not knuckle walk? I, this is where I admit, I don't think I've ever actually seen a King Kong movie, I'm just aware of King Kong through the, uh, kind of cultural osmosis. Uh, I wasn't aware that he just walked around upright. Um, and then, as for Axe, I was kind of thinking about him being a mix of SPD's Titanium Ranger and In Space's Silver Ranger. They are both Silverish Rangers that aren't from Earth. Uh, Titanium, I think, is a kid from the future, and their Zords have a kind of power-up feature for the main team. Um, I thought of doing, and here you've written Daniel, I assume you meant David. <laughs> Uh, that's a weird thing I've noticed. Daniel and David get flipped around in people's head a lot. I get called David constantly, like to a point where like it's not just one or two people. Pretty consistently in my life, when I meet new people, someone's gonna mis uh, misremember my name and call me David. I don't know if I just have like a David face or what's going on, but it happens. Weird. But uh, I thought of doing David too, but I decided not to, mainly for keeping the message shortish. But David could be like the Magnet Defender from Lost Galaxy. Technically not a ranger, but a dude in a suit that has his own robot. If that's the case, I think he'd be a special ranger and not a six ranger, and he'd probably give himself an edgy name, like Dark Lion or something. I like that a lot, actually. <laughs> um, but because this message is now super long and two episodes spanning, I'll say what I'd imagine for the Megazord slash combination. Cassie, Butterfly slash Head. I agree also that uh, Cassie would be the head. Um, if horse, then probably a leg. I don't know, a horse head could be fun. Um, Jake, tiger slash arm, makes sense to me. Gorilla, uh, Marco gorilla slash pants slash legs, that makes sense to me as well. Uh, and then uh, Willis elaborates, kind of seeing the gorilla arms flip around and become the main legs of the combination. I think that's fun. Um, I think it'd be fun if like, because you know, gorillas have the fucking like feet, uh, feet hands, right? So what if the legs, like, grab on... What if his gorilla feet grab onto the Megazord and then he, like, flips down and the arms, like, switch around and become... I think that'd be fun and become the legs. Um, Rachel, bear slash arm. Tobias, hawk slash upper torso slash wings. Uh, that makes sense. That all checks out to me. Uh, yeah, the other thing with having Cassie be butterfly is that Tobias has to be hawk and having two winged uh, zords does feel a little strange, right? That's not typically how the formations pan out. Um, maybe it is, though. Again, uh, I, there's a huge swath in the middle of Power Rangers that I'm just really not familiar with. Uh, so maybe I'm wrong about that. Uh, then Axe comes in mid-season one, and his Andalite ship sword is a standalone sword. But after he proves himself, probably after the failed assassination of Visser Three, he figures out he can combine with the main team and does the dragon sword thing. Tobias's hawk sword fights in the humanoid mode, while Axe's ship becomes the torso. Then I guess David gets lion, and they strand it on the moon, LMAO. Uh, this has been Willis the Artist's Power Ranger Power Hour. Thank you so much for writing in, Willis. Um, I agree with most of this. I think, I think we've developed a pretty solid uh, proof of concept here. Circling back to David real quick, you mentioned lion would be his sword, and probably like his theme as, as his suit, right? Uh, there is a, uh, a tokusatsu from, like, 2000, I want to say, 6 or 9-ish, um, called Garo. They've also made subsequent sequels and, um, an anime spinoff, I believe, as well. 
Um, but look up Garo, uh, because it is, uh, the, the suit design is lion-themed, and that's what I'm picturing in my head. Something like that, but maybe not quite as shiny and golden. Um, maybe something like, uh, Z- the character Zero, who comes in later with a wolf-themed, uh, Garo suit. Also, watch Garo, it's... It's very fun. Um, you can find the the uh, theme song intro on YouTube. Check that out. It really sort of gives you the vibe of the show. It's like an edgy, dark JRPG from the PS2 era is the vibe I get when I watch the intro. And it's a ton of fun to me. Um, I really enjoyed Garo. Uh, it, it's a bit... It's, it's aimed at like a slightly older audience um, than like a Power Rangers, you know. If Power Rangers is like aiming for like the six to eight then garo is probably like the 13 to 15 range um and uh the last thing i'll say about garo is that um my my favorite thing about garo is that uh the main character dresses like he's the protagonist of an anime uh but it just takes place in modern day japan so everyone else is just dressed like they live in japan and this dude runs around in this like seto kaiba ass uh flowing white coat with like buckle a black buckled like you know armor underneath it's so funny uh it's so good uh love it love that stuff so thank you for writing in arts uh and (laughs) writing in ours thank you for writing in willis uh and concluding our power ranger power hour i appreciate it i also have an email coming in from aubrey that email is audiomorphscast at gmail.com and Aubrey writes, Hi Daniel, thank you so much for your podcast. I am absolutely loving revisiting my favorite book series this way. I discovered your podcast about a month ago, and I'm starting book and now I'm starting book twenty. Having just finished book nineteen, I wanted to write to you uh about the ending. I think it was much more effective if you were reading the books when they first came out, as I did. The stakes seemed a lot more real, and her sacrifice much more genuine, because you actually didn't know what came next. You didn't know if she was in the next book, because it wasn't out yet. And of course, at that time, uh, we are reading physical books. So she is trapped, and the other Animorphs lose hope, and you have only a few pages left in the book. I do remember reading this for the first time, and being genuinely surprised that they saved her. I was also a kid, so that pro- uh, that's probably part of it too. I'm pretty sure I cried, uh, I cried for the first time, sorry, I'm pretty sure I cried the first time I read it, which I re- uh, which I don't really do. So, just a thought on how that book was a different experience when it was first written. Thanks again for the podcast. Just give me a couple more weeks, and I'll catch up to you in real time. Thanks, Aubrey. Thank you so much for writing in, Aubrey. Um, yeah, that's a great perspective. I don't remember if I read this one as a kid. I read most of them Um, when... I don't even know if I read most of them. I read a good portion, we'll say. At least... At least half. Probably two-thirds of them um, through my local library as a kid. Not necessarily in order. Um, I, I don't know if I read this one. I don't remember it from my childhood. Um, but a great, per- great perspective. That's a good point. Um, it's coming at the end of the... It really is. There's like a chapter left when she does that uh, and gets trapped. Uh, and <laughs> you really do think, like, how is she going to get out of this one? Oh, no. Um, I... I don't know that I would have, hmm, I'm trying to remember, like, how I was like when I was, you know, like, 12. Um, Because the thing is, like, yes, we don't, 
know what the next book contains that's at the end of the book like that's pretty serious i totally agree um but also i'm thinking about kind of like where storytelling for children was in this era and i know a lot of us praise animorphs for um i don't know not not necessarily bucking convention but like being much more uh mature about its topics and themes but in general i feel like children's programming um in the this this is what the very late 90s like 97 98 99 uh th- there was sort of a sense that like the good guys don't die right especially like for children's stuff the good guys can't die um so i don't know if like in a post Game of Thrones world, yes. Like I think if I were reading that, I'd be like, "Oh man, Cassie's done for." Whoa. Um, but back then, I don't know. Even then, I'm. I, I think uh, my interest and intrigue would be: How is she going to get out of this? Not is she going to get out? But I could be coloring, you know, my past with my current knowledge as an adult of like media tropes and such. Uh, who can say? I certainly can't. My memory is terrible. <laughs> But thank you for writing in, Aubrey. I really appreciate it. Uh, If you'd like to write in like Willis or Aubrey, I've listed two ways. There's a couple more. There's my website, theapocalypse.com. That's the apocalypse, like apocalypse, but with a D in the middle. Uh, And you can also tweet at me, uh, at Audiomorphs. I don't know if you can DM me still. I think maybe Elon Musk has disabled that if you don't have a blue check. I don't really know. Uh, But you can certainly tweet at me still, I'm pretty sure. And um, I'll say hi or whatever. Uh, and that's also where you should check if uh, I'm ever late posting. I will try to have a reason uh, why there. Uh, last but not least, you can also leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I check those. And um, so if you feel like I've ignored you every other way, you can certainly do that. Or you can, if you just feel like leaving me a review about about this podcast, you can do that as well. It's, it's whatever. No pressure. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's that's all I got. I'm starting to sweat now, so let's wrap this up. Thank you all for listening, um, and I will see you all next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. <laughs> <laughs>